It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back into another episode of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast. You like that radio voice, Adam? That was pretty good. Love <laughs> that radio lie. voice. Like, Not going to lie, man. McNutt is I the jack it. of all trades over here. <laughs> no, we appreciate everybody tapping into another edition. Uh, I've lo- I think we're on episode 46, 47. Jeez, like I have lost track. It feels like a blur since the season started. We are just moving so fast. Doing content every single week like we're doing, everything that's going on, setting lineups, playing in Dynasty Leagues, just like you guys, just like you, Dynasty Degenerates. Listen here. The whole the whole process just keeps moving, like at lightning pace. All of a sudden, I look up, and holy shit, we're in week 11. The fantasy playoffs are just right around the corner. Uh, for some of my teams, I don't give a shit. I've been, I've been done for about seven weeks. <laughs> like it's, it's been over for a while. It has been over for a while, but thank you for sticking with us to another episode. Without further ado, you heard his voice out here. He's here. He's in person. He's drinking. He's drinking that that bourbon, man, that he always drinks. Always. I love this guy. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Uh, my birthday is, is going to kick off during this episode. Um, give you a little insight. Oh, we are We are doing this episode as the clock is about to strike midnight Eastern. We're powering through for the Dynasty Degenerates. So listen up, because this is going to be a good one. We're actually talking here about a lot of different intrinsic things that you need to think about, whether you're rebuilding or contending, and different ways to play the values. But I think when you talk about how far this season has come, it's crazy while doing all this content this year how much the season's flown. And I, I don't even know that that's part of it. I think the season's flying by for everybody. But I just think about how I, yeah. like the, the, these – how the the league is shaking out the NFL as a whole because every league is different in Dynasty. I mean, the Dolphins are in first place in the AFC East. <laughs> People wouldn't have believed that because everybody hated Tua start the year, right? Uh, the Chargers are in second, and you know who's in dead last is the Raiders at two and seven. If people would have told you that the Raiders, who made the playoffs last year, brought in McDaniel's, brought in Devontae Adams, and there's two and seven right now, 
this should show you how much variance is crazy. And then when you think about like the NFC, Mike, I mean, who would have told who would have told you that the NFL champion Los Angeles Rams are in dead last in the division and that Seattle that everybody thought was screwed and have to rebuild is in first place in the division with Geno Smith. There's just so much that has happened already and it's like like you said we we wake up, Dynasty Giants will wake up and now all of a sudden it's we're going into week 11 and all that NFL stuff is now shaking into whether you like it or not, the playoffs are right here. So it's time to talk about some strategy with where you're at in your league and ultimately the fact that the playoffs is around the corner for us. I think you touched on it right off the fucking bat, buddy. This 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 year, I don't have any statistics to back it up, but between injuries and variants and everything that has gone on has just been so wild in the NFL. And what do we play, man? We play a game based on the NFL with players in the NFL. So we're subject to a lot of that too. Good teams that we thought were going to be good are piss poor, god-awful. Hence, those players are underperforming, not helping our, our teams win. Or same thing with the injuries, man. Like the guys that we ca- counted on to be staples, all of a sudden we're lost for the year or lost for a significant chunk of time that they're not going to do shit for us on our rosters. Right? I just look at this last week. And it just kicked you in the teeth, man. I remember listening to an episode a couple weeks ago of America's Game with Scott and Eric. Yep. And and you could almost feel the pain in Eric's voice opening that episode just with the running back injuries that had happened and just how much it hurt him when Brees Hall went down and just how much it's just like sometimes you just want to throw your team up in the air if you could do that and just go, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. It's all over. It's over. I mean, I don't know what else to do. And let me speak to this so that it's a th- – this is not just us talking. Like you said, you don't may not have uh, facts and stats to back it up. Let me give you one of my teams. So, so I have – like we talk about all the time, the four Ds. Direction is one of them, right? Yeah. And I- I've learned some things this year throughout the season that make me a little bit reevaluate how I want to do things depending on league setting and what I want to do with my picks and liquidity and things, right? But one thing I'll tell you is there was – some teams I'm clearly rebuilding from the beginning, right? There are some teams I'm more middling and letting things fall into place before I pick my direction. And then there's teams that I told you that I had like four of them that are like, these are, these are mob squads. These are teams that they're ready to go. And they're basically the Titanic, right? Let me tell you that I have two in particular that I wanted to discuss that should show you how crazy the variance has been this year. One is best ball, which if you're, tapping into this podcast week in and week out dynasty degenerates you know we talk a lot of best ball and we play in a lot of best ball best ball is something i think that based on the edges i feel very confident in my ability when it was going into the season i renamed my team residual income because this this <laughs> team was the absolute most egregious team i've ever seen i kind of felt a little bit guilty i'm sitting at five and five i'm sitting at five and five and I'm telling you, when you read this team top to bottom, we've done it on a previous episode. I'm not going to do it again. Ridiculous. Then I, then I go to a lineup setting. This team, Mike, has been in the in the playoffs, uh, in the Super Bowl last year, lost. Um, Ryan, if you're listening to this, Ryan had the Chase Burrow effect on me in the, the championship game. So before I even really got to see the majority of my team play, it was over because of that big stack he had going the year before that. Once again, highly in the money. 
This year, Mike, everything ready to go. 23 picks, 24 picks, loaded team. Mike, I'm sitting on at the time. Kyle, if you're listening to this show, I'm sitting on Kyle's pick in 23, which if you looked at Kyle's team before the season, this is a team that just needed so much help. And he had acquired a bunch of picks, but I was sitting on his 23 and I wasn't going to let it go. My team was looking like a stud contender. My team has had everything wrong happen to it. DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, uh, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott. I mean, you name it, you name it, it's there. All right? Other than Jamar Chase, because that's a bad one that I didn't have, or Cooper Cup. But let me just tell you that there's so many different things. Kyle Pitts, go on and on. So my team going into this week is 3-6, and six, and still in the playoff hunt, and still on paper a team that should make the playoffs, and I'm playing Kyle, the guy that has no chance of winning any games and the locked-in 101. I just lost to Kyle, head up, in a game. So the 101 pick that I thought I had is now beating my team that's a contender when it's pushing for the fantasy football playoffs because that's how crazy it is. His Tua went off. His Cole Komet went off. His Christian Kirk went off. Here I am, 3-7. and seven. So the point is, even people that sit up here and t- you know tell you they know what's going on and there's we got a podcast and we have a lot of strategy – variance this year to Mike's point you may not have stats to break it down but I can tell you based on multiple of my teams there has been variance that has killed you so the point of all that rambling is let's hone in on what you need to do and ultimately I think this is a great time to talk about because of all the injuries going on and we had more this week kind of tearing down and and strategies you can do to help protect yourself from catastrophic losses to your contending teams and ultimately how you'd play the other side on rebuilding too. Brother, you hit the nail on the head right here and you and I co-manage a team, right? And we've talked about before with uh, best ball teams, how it differs versus lineups where you can kind of control the variance to some aspect. You know what I mean? Like you can more readily build your teams out where you're more likely to win a championship if you had the best team going in, right? You create those super high floors where even under bad weeks, you're a tough team to beat and and not guarantee yourself a championship. But there's that great stat out there that even if you're the number one seed in the lineup and get the bye week in a 12-team league, you're still only like 30, 35% likely to, to win a championship. And and think about that. That's all the number one teams on sleeper that Adiko is tracking in his data in his data set. All the number one teams. So that includes every mob squad, every goon squad, where you go in and you go, "Holy shit! Like, how the hell did we let this team get this good?" You know what I mean? Right. And you still have that variance in best ball. I don't have a number on it, right? Adiko never put out a a best ball like last year in best ball and sleeper, (laughs) all the number one seeds. I I would venture to say, though, it's a lot higher. We've seen it personally. We've we've seen it. We both built teams out that same way. But we talk about variance and the things not to do to set yourself up for the best chance at long-term success. We co-manage a team with some really smart people in this league. Really smart. I mean, we're talking Jay Rich. We're talking Brandon. We're talking Ray. We're talking Eric. We're talking uh, Gene, right? Guys that do podcasts on this network that you listen to. By the way, tap into the newsletter. It's in the description. I'm tired of telling (laughs) y'all. But we we play in this league with really smart people, right? Adam, our team is... uh, we, we, We didn't pick a direction early enough, and a lot of the picks got gobbled up. 
and we've kind of just been cobbling together a uh a productive struggle right like we knew we weren't competing i haven't really checked the waivers every single week because i just don't give a shit like more zeros on my team the better make our picks better we still have our own draft picks we have some young ascending assets that we're waiting for value flips like this kind of slow play right if we kind of got back to in the corner adam i just happened to look at the league today we're in the fucking playoffs, buddy, right now. If the season ended today, we are in the playoffs. We are in the playoffs. Like, yeah, we yeah, are the I mean, sixth seed. We, we are in the playoffs, man. Playoffs? Playoffs? I mean, <laughs> our, our points for might be terrible, but... It's uh, the second worst in the entire fucking league, and we are in the playoffs. You our points for may be terrible, but variances, somehow that team has found a way to win matchups week in and week out. I don't know who set the schedule, who's trying to undo our rebuild, but here we are in the playoffs to the variance point, Mike. Um, that, that sneak, th- those are wins. Those are real-life examples, though, right, of how incredibly different it is, the variance. And I, I think, though, you know, when, when, we, when we try to get down to the serious stuff, right, I mean, you're looking at some shit this year. I mean, it's just crazy how much when to go through without getting through everything. Some of the things that have happened, right? Jonathan Taylor, the clear-cut RB1, went down for a while, um, was playing for a team that really wasn't that good at times. Matt Ryan thing, Sam Ellinger, he's not playing. Keep Trade Cut has him not a top-five running back, and he doesn't have a season-long injury. And this is a bad running back landscape. We're admitting on podcast after podcast after podcast, on every platform you go, the running back landscape is bad. And the former, before the season started, clear-cut 101 in running back is being valued outside the top five because of an over-reactionary market and because he's missed the time on the field for a while, right? So that that's just one piece, right? You have a guy like DeAndre Swift who's basically – not seeing any time on the field and having the injury bug, which we've seen before. We've got like Cam Akers, who's not playing basically at all. The guy basically steps away from the team. He's like a zero for you. Kyle Pitts, somebody everybody was extremely hyped for. Even people that were naysayers would not have told you that we're at this point where Kyle Pitts now is not a contending piece. I mean, people people may have told you that we were a little too over the skis on Kyle yes. Pitts. That That's fair. I mean, there was people that did that, right? But everybody still believed he was a top five tight end this season, top six, right? Because speaking of how bad the running back landscape is, look at the tight end landscape. Kyle Pitts is not even worthy of starting a lot of times weekly because he's not a contending asset, right? So you got that going on. You you have so many things. Matt Stafford's hurt, playing. Now Cooper Cup's out. Matt Stafford has a concussion. Matt Stafford is basically relegated to worthless in lineup leagues, even yeah. in best ball leagues, without Cooper Cup. I'd imagine he has over 50% of the guy's yards. Allen Robinson, we thought, in that offense was going to be good. You, you have injuries piling up at every position. Dak missed time. I mean, Daniel Jones is someone that's highly valued. Geno Smith is someone that matters on contenders. You, you talk about variance. I could go on and on and on. The point here is this. All this variance, I think this may be the extreme. I can't guarantee this the extreme. But the point is, you got to have an idea of how you're going to combat these type of things in the future and for now, because who's to say that crazy shit can't happen next year? 
It's the NFL. People get hurt. People have crazy ascensions and descensions. The Giants are seven and two. Like, there's so many different ways I could tell you that you can't predict everything in the future. And I think the only way to really try to negate some of this stuff or prepare for some of this stuff is to try to have a plan for the worst case scenario and figure out how to de-risk and ultimately strategize so that you're in the best position come the playoffs to make the, not only make the playoffs, but construct your team the best for the playoffs. I will say this here. Here's some of the points that I have Um, in a best ball league, Adam, like the one that we just talked about. If I'm at that point right now with the variance and it's been on my side, I'm not going to trust the fact that that's going to carry me. Right. I'm not making moves on best ball teams to push myself in going like, hey, I'm in the sixth seed. That's going to be long term detrimental to it. However, in these lineup leagues, from everything that I'm reading, everything I'm listening to with podcasts, with other people, other really smart people about it, Scott being one, check out his show, Destination Dynasty, that drops on Mondays on this network. I will say this in lineup leagues, Adam, if I've gotten to this point where I'm like the fifth, sixth seed, right now and it's looking good for me to make the playoffs i know this has kind of been antithetical to what we've talked about in the past but i am i am making moves to buy into the variance to play the variance let me just get in the playoffs and see what happens let me just sneak in and see what happens here because like you've seen like we've had top contenders and we are littered with people having questions and and showing us rosters where they're like you know, I was the the number two seed. I was number two in points four in this lineup league. And uh, all of a sudden this week, I've lost Cooper Cup. I've lost Dallas Goddard. I've lost Juju, who was a nice wide receiver three for me. And my backup tight end, Zach Ertz, is now done for the season. Help. What do I do? And it's like, if you, if you didn't position yourself with what Scott and Eric are talking about and what Scott's talking about on his podcast about having the liquidity and having the ability to pivot and having the ability to go make moves for other pieces to try to backfill where you can still play the variants. Like you're looking at starting just some God awful players in the next few weeks, just because you don't have that ability, right? You're stuck on Cooper cup. You're stuck on Dallas Goddard. You're stuck on, man, I hope Jamar chase comes back soon for me. I hope Matt Stafford figures out a way in hell to turn this around. Cause he's been my QB two or, he was my QB one heading into the season or whatever the case may be. You not only as one of these teams who's maybe like sneaking around and hanging around in the five or six seat, you may have dodged some of this negative variance and you may be in line for like the next three weeks. You may rattle off three wins in a row and all of a sudden you're the third seed or you're the second seed and you got a first round by heading into the playoffs. Like, I didn't think I was going to be here, but holy shit. I'm the Atlanta Falcons or the New York Giants or the the uh, Seattle Seahawks, like you're talking about in the real NFL. Like, holy fuck, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here and I'm playing with the big boys. So I will say this. In, in my lineup leagues, in that situation, I'm hoping that I've made the shift throughout the season or I'm hoping just by happenstance because it's not what we were talking about at the beginning of the year. It's not what we were talking about in the offseason that I have enough left in the tank. I have enough in reserve. I have enough assets where I go like, you know what? Kyle Pitts is not performing or Elijah Moore is not performing or Traylon Burks has been hurt and he hasn't done shit, but I have these assets that other people want. 
maybe now's the time that I push in and just lean into the variance in my lineup leagues. I will say this, though. There's almost no way in hell in a best ball league I would do that. The exact one we talked about where we're just hanging around by the skin of our teeth because I know the floors in best ball. Like, if we end up making the playoffs, shit. <laughs> shit. We, we screwed up our rebuild. We didn't do a good enough job. But I can almost guarantee you, Adam, with the way that team's constructed right now, the, the unless, only... we, it, unless we made some drastic moves, there is no way in hell we're winning that league. Well, no. Period. I mean, well, that, that, that's the point. The only thing we screwed up is you, 107 versus 103 or 102 or whatever. Yes. Right? That That's what we screwed up. I mean, and let's call it what it is. In best ball, outside of the fact that that could be a quarterback versus a skill player. Correct. That that, that really doesn't matter that much if we're being truthful. I right? feel you. Yes. So, so, so let, let, let's admit that. Now, I'll be honest. I, I don't like the fact that we need no. to get more down tier going on. We need to get more positional depth. We need to do a lot of moves. And we're, instead of getting the 102, getting the 107. And maybe we sneak in the playoffs and have variants happen and we win a a matchup, but one thing that won't happen is <laughs> if we make the playoffs. Let's say we did. I, I don't even think we will, but let's say we do, and let's say we happen to win a week. We're we're not beating the teams that are positioned in the semis or the championship. No, and and I think the one thing that really differs in best ball and lineup, not that we didn't know this, but that we're seeing live time is in lineup. For example, all right. So so, so let, let let me just put it to you this way. I'm sitting on what should be in two of my mob squads, the 101 in a best ball and in a lineup league. All right. Going into the season. So it was sticking with kind of the same two leagues I was talking about earlier. In a best ball league, if you can point out the 101 and it's tragically bad, that's probably the 101. It's 102. Because here's the reality yeah. that team is probably sitting on picks and it's probably sitting on a bunch of dog shit players. Even if it has six, seven, eight studs. It's not enough in best ball to matter. Here's the reality in lineup, though. You can't even predict who's going to be worthy of pressing the button on in lineup sometimes, especially in like a start 10, start 9. I mean, this one leaves a start 9, right? So let's let's line up for a second. Start 9. You think you got the 101. I'm telling you right now, Kyle's team was closest, as I've seen, in lineup leagues to the 101. He's three and seven, so am I. I just happen to be ahead of him in points four. It's the only thing separating our teams. Here's the reality. Tua, guy that we talked about, he had, right? Great ascension. Jalen Waddle, one of his studs, is actually a warp difference maker, right? Yes. We're all saying he's got dog shit running backs. But guess what? He's had like six dog shit running backs that, as Scott talks about, are the guys that you press the button on. It's like, okay, Dante Foreman's starting, right? He's got all these running backs that have no value that are now mattering. The point I'm making here is you cannot even guarantee in lineup that a bad team's going to be the 101 variance. You also can't guarantee that your team's locked in for the 112. Whole point is the further you can extend yourself to the point of trade deadline or fantasy football playoffs and having the liquidity and having the flexibility and pushing it out as far as you can and then moving those pieces when it's certain. All right. My team looks pretty good. I have a real chance to win this thing. Leverage those at the trade deadline. That is something that I'm very much for in lineup leagues. Whereas in best ball, if you're not properly constructed, even if you're sneaking into the playoffs, utilizing those picks to have a 
non-realistic chance of winning the playoffs doesn't make sense. In best ball, I think you can get away with the studs and duds, but you have to have everything go so perfect. And for me, I don't really want to play that game. Whereas in lineup, who's to say it can't happen? So I think that's the big, big difference there. And I think ultimately, Mike, what I want to kind of get into is the teardown approach and how to get into situations where on lineup or best ball, it doesn't matter, you're contending, you have a piece that's smashing. And everybody gets so enamored with smashing players and thinking to yourself, okay, lineup or best ball, what happens if this guy goes down? And then ultimately when you're talking about teardown moves that you don't like at the time because you're thinking, oh, the player I have now is worth way more than that teardown. Are you really considering what you're de-risking by tearing down and how much leverage that would give you if you made a few of those just to have multiple picks in a in the same class? So here's a good example. Like, I mean, we we, we kind of talked about the uh, the guys who just went down and, and just how detrimental they are to your team. When you talk about teardowns, you remember some of these uh, shitty moves that I'd made, and, and these are in best ball leagues, but it still applies a lot to lineup leagues about how much you can de-risk yourself. Like, like a good example is uh, not even mine, but think of somebody just a few weeks ago who looked at warp charts or listened to something that we were talking about and was like, you know what? Damn, Cooper Cup is, is absolutely smashing. And, and they just went out and they pushed their 23 and 24 first in for Cooper Cup. Like, I know it's a lot, but, you know, I'm betting on the the warp, the high warp and what Cooper Cup's going to give me. Now they're sitting here going like, holy shit. Like, I don't have any real out on a guy like Cooper Cup. I don't have any ability to recoup enough value because, like, I, I'm sitting with Cooper Cup in a lot of leagues and I'm sending out offers like, shit, give me something, man. <laughs> in these best ball leagues, I'm getting gross. Give me this and give me this turd and at least this dude's, like, playing. Like, let me just get off Cooper Cup. And people are looking at me going, nah, nah, I'm good, man. Like, you just keep your Cooper Cup. I can't cut him. <laughs> I can't cut Cooper fucking Cup. I can't do it. But I'm just sitting there eating a zero every single week because I can't get off of the guy. I can't move off of him. Same thing kind of applies in a lineup league without the caveat of, like, you getting off on some turds, right? Like, best ball makes it more inclined where, like, yeah, you know, I kind of like this wide receiver. or You know, this guy, he's, like, wide receiver 50-something, but he may have a spike week here and there. And this running back's, like, RB36, whatever. Like, he's playing. Let me get this turd. You do that in a lineup league, like, how often are you pushing the button on those guys when you lose a Cooper Cup? Probably not very often because you're going to have somebody else that you're going to talk yourself into. Not like often Devin at Duvernay, all, right? I guess I got to start Devin Duvernay now. And, and more than likely, there is a massive fucking difference between a Devin Duvernay and a Cooper Cup. But when you're talking about the teardowns, the one that came to mind is, and I got a shit ton of pushback about this one. In a non-competing league, right, Adam, where I'm trying to set myself up for the future and I'm trying to set myself up looking out ahead and trying to think about how I want to build this team and de-risk myself over this time frame. One of the moves is, I mean, uh, probably one of the many, but I traded away Jamar Chase. And I remember I traded away Jamar Chase for what ended up being, you know, a couple firsts and two seconds, and people look at you and go like, you're fucking crazy, man. Why would you do this? Well, those picks ended up being Rashad White, who we just saw take over, I guess. 
because of Leonard Fournette being out. And we'll we'll kind of wait and see like how much of a role he has when Leonard Fournette's back. But it's the point is it's looking good. <laughs> it's it's w- without question trending up in dynasty values up. It's looking good. Um, another one at the beginning of the year, this would have looked dynamite, and then he got injured and didn't play a whole lot. But it was Jahan Dotson. Sure. And and now he's coming back, and we'll kind of see where that goes. But I'm not making this move for like right now. Like I'm not making this move for what gives me points right now. I'm thinking multiple years out. Mm-hmm. Another one, Jamison Williams. Haven't even seen him play yet. Hasn't even got on the field yet. Mm-hmm. If you go look at sites like Keep Trade Cut, man, this guy's like a top. 16 top 17 top 18 dynasty wide receiver hasn't done shit <laughs> hasn't done shit like i haven't i haven't even got this guy on the field and these crowdsource data values are already valuing him as an elite asset at wide receiver and he hasn't done nothing at all and the other big piece the one that i was making multiple years out which you talked about just a little bit ago in best ball if a team's bad they're bad this year and they don't have draft capital, and they don't have a lot of assets where they can tear down and get themselves out of it, they're probably going to be bad in the future. So I'm looking at this guy's 24 pick, and I'm looking at his roster construction, exactly what you said, and I'm going, holy shit, man. This guy doesn't have a lot of outs for getting better in the near future, and I'm about to take another draft pick off of him. Another one. As long as I'm patient and willing to wait just a little bit, this pick will be phenomenal coming up and adam this is exactly where it is we're looking at a guy right now who's the 101 and what is he going to be at in 2024 probably the 101 Cer- or the 102 cer- certainly in that early conversation right <laughs> and i'm looking going like how much did jamar chase help him maybe he got him a week maybe he got him two weeks maybe he got him three weeks but what also happened to jamar chase he's injured missed time now he's really detrimental to him because that's another zero on his team. So yeah. when I think about this and you talk about the teardown approach, it is extremely beneficial in best ball. And we've established that through everything we've done, through data pods, through looking at spike weeks, consistency, looking at trades, right? We, we've had multiple episodes on it. I don't think that's up for debate. But the thing that's always been lingering in back of people's minds is, how do you do it in lineup leagues? And I think what this year has shown more than anything else is that more times than not, we overestimate the ability for a player to stay healthy or to stay out of trouble or to suffer a bad situation change that we did not see. You talked about it, the Rams on the bad side. But again, also the Dolphins on the good side. Like you were trading away Tua Tungavailoa in May. Or you were trading away to a tongue of Iloa in August with everything that was going on. Yesterday's price is not today's price. <laughs> it has drastically shifted. Hell, if you traded away Justin Fields in week three, you're kicking yourself in the face right now, going like, what the hell did I just do? We vastly overestimate ourselves on predicting players year in and year out. Every single year. You and I are guilty of it as well. We made videos about guys who became absolute shitlords. We made videos about guys who have done nothing and have just done nothing but break our hearts. That's the only claim to fame this year is breaking our hearts. We made a YouTube banner full of players, and just about every single one of them has turned into a turd. (laughs) 
it has been it has become the self harm and curse of being on a YouTube banner. You're more than likely a pile of shit this year. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the best way to say it. So, if you take all those things into account and you think about our propension to overvalue or underestimate situations and not be able to predict it right, down tiering into multiple assets or multiple good pieces from one single asset is almost always the right play. Because even if you miss, you miss small. But if something bad happens and you were the guy who down tiered from Cooper Cup, sure, you loved him for the first 10 weeks. How you feeling now? If you were the guy who down tiered from Cooper Cup and got another decent receiver, maybe that decent receiver was Jalen Waddle and it has exploded on the scene. Or maybe that decent receiver was even crustier, and you went to a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown, who people were drafting in the seventh round, eighth round of startups. And he exploded on the scene and established himself in the elite territory. Plus, you got multiple pieces on it, multiple pieces of liquidity. Maybe it was a first. Maybe it was a first and a second. How are you feeling now heading into it? Where's your record now? How's your team set up? Yes, you may only be the fifth or sixth seed in the lineup, but you got that extra first and second that you got from the guy who managed Cooper Cup. And people may be looking at his team as like, damn, Cooper Cup's been carrying him for a while. Now he's without Cooper Cup. Man, I'm going to be looking at the 105. Fuck yeah, I want to trade for that guy's pick. <laughs> what do you need, buddy? Need another wide receiver? Need a running back? Need a quarterback filler? Tight end landscape just took a massive dump. Here, I got these couple guys. You want one of these? The point is, down tier, de-risk yourself, but it also sets yourself up for, in most cases, you're taking liquid assets or value ascension assets back, which you can then flip when the time is right. It's almost guaranteed to work in best ball, but Adam, I think this year more than ever showing that in lineup leaks, <laughs> it's a play that I want to make more times than not. I want to take anything that is extremely valuable and I feel like I'm invested too highly in, and just diversify, man. I just want to split them up, and I want to stay fluid, and I want to have that ability to have the flexibility when I need it the most. Very well said, man. And I think, listen, I think in lineup, um, it's obviously different because, like in best ball, the the down tier, the, the beauty of the down tier in best ball versus lineup is two for one, actually is better for your roster construction in best ball whereas in lineup two for one for the wrong pieces is not better for your lineup construction right for your roster construction right so that that i think is one of the bigger things that makes it different but but i just want to talk through for a second here some of the ideas in, in even in lineup where what, no matter how many you're starting, I want you to really think about this dynasty degenerates because, you know, I can go through every position, but I'm going to stick with wide receiver here because wide receiver right now is becoming of the skill players, the non quarterbacks, the most prized asset, the the asset that people are most sure of and think of this extreme long-term success more so baked in. And I'm not trying to fight that point. I'm just utilizing that as, Let's let's use wide receivers right now because that narrative exists. And and honestly, when you look at the landscape, right? I mean, it's not tight end because right now it's hard. the landscape's gross. You're having a hard time banking on anybody. Hell, even 
the tight end one, everybody was excited about Mark Andrews' missed time. But and obviously running back is a complete shit show. So wide receiver naturally is the one that everyone feels most comfortable with. But just think here for a second, I'm gonna give you some examples, Dynasty Degenerates of ideas that probably did not seem sexy at the time, but down tearing these players closer to their peak value gives you so much difference for leverage, right? And I'll go through some of the guys that even are smashing right now before or after we're done with this. But right now, let's just stick with some of the guys that have not done well that you may have been really excited about, whether it's in the preseason or at some point during the season in the points per game. And you're like, nah, I'm not moving them. It makes no sense because they're smashing points per game. They're helping me get wins. They're helping me get better for the playoffs, right? So let's just go through a few names. So at one point, Michael Pittman was getting close to the fact of top 15 easy. Some people were yep. pushing him towards the top 12, right? Yep. They're saying he's got a quarterback upgrade. We've seen a lot of these quarterback upgrades, quote unquote, not be quarterback upgrades. Matt Ryan was benched for Sam Ellinger for a period of time. They have a coaching change. Matt Ryan is back. But here's the point. Michael Pittman showed well for a few weeks, right? This is an exciting young asset that most people were getting very excited about and had some good weeks early. Nobody wanted to move him. But think about this. You could have down-tiered a guy like Michael Pittman. I'll get into some of the things you could have down-tiered too. But, okay, so we got Michael Pittman, right? Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel's the guy that everybody was very excited about last year. I mean, th th this guy's getting carries. He's just got the contract. I'm not moving Debo Samuel. De it's Debo. It's Debo. I'm not going to move Debo. Drake London. Drake London started off very good and was the 22 yeah. wide receiver one of the class, right? Fourth round startup pick, and for the first two to three weeks of the season, was ascending in value inside the top 10, easy for people in Dynasty. For sure. Yes, sir. Uh, even a gross one, but people weren't going to just let go Deontay Johnson, right? Uh, this fourth to fifth round guy. Kicking me right in the teeth, man. Hey, I, I'm not. I'm not going to leave our guys out of it just because they fucked up, you know. That's hey. sure, buddy. Uh, right. Um, DJ yes. Moore. DJ Moore. Oh my God, another one. Right. Um, let's go to one that's not us, real quick. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. While Nuke wasn't out there, killing shit. Right. Yeah. Absolutely tearing it up. And then two that we've recently experienced: Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. Two of the assets primarily that there's no way in the world, even if I told you this, I had a crystal ball. I could have had a crystal ball before these guys got hurt and told you they're going to get hurt, you need to move them, and I can guarantee you in lineup leagues people would not have moved them, knowing it's coming, saying you're, you're not right, it's not happening, I'm not moving them. Jamar Chase, out six weeks. Listen, that, that value did not crater because he is elite, right? Yes. But you lost some value. And, and more importantly, on a contender, you're losing warp for a decent amount of time trying to make the playoffs. And what we talked about is in lineup, if you can just make it to the dance, make it to the tournament, that in and of itself is a big thing. Losing Jamar Chase can certainly make that not a certainty for you. Then you got Cooper Cup, a totally different situation where Cooper Cup is this – Everybody knows the cliff's coming. Everybody knows Cooper Cup's value is completely inflated by his warp and points per game. But you're just saying, fuck it. You're saying on the dynasty aspect, I don't care. I want the money. 
I will forego all of it to win. Okay, so those are some examples, right, of players that you could have down-tiered during peak points, which is an unpopular thing to do. It's not sexy. Everybody that watched Hollywood get down-tiered when he was peaking, everybody that watched all these guys when they're they're being down-tiered at peak points is going to be mad at you and saying you're a clown you don't know what you're doing. And now, granted, if Cooper Cup stays healthy the rest of the year and wins you a championship, <laughs> I get it. They're right. You're an idiot. You lost money. Okay. But let's talk about the converse, right? Let's talk about the other side of the coin. And the reason I want to do this is because think about this now. All right. If you did down tier, think about some of the options that you could go to and easily. And when I say easily, non-debatably acquire a first for basically every one of the guys I aforementioned at the correct time. Keyword at the correct time. We're sitting here going into week 11. <laughs> All their values are different, the ones I just mentioned, right? But if you traded them at their peak point, you're getting the people I'm about to mention right now plus a first. Christian Kirk, the wide receiver seven, right? Just got paid in Jacksonville. You may not have been high on him. You may have been concerned and not excited about things that happen in Arizona at times, and he's not a true number one. You could have easily gotten Christian Kirk in the first in the first four or five weeks of the season. Brandon Ayuk could have gotten a first plus Brandon Ayuk, right? He's not even smashing on the warp side, but you're getting Brandon Ayuk and you're getting the first. You could have gotten Amon Ross St. Brown at the right time. Before week one, this is preseason I'm talking, right? Amon Ross St. Brown was a very polarizing prospect. Then he has a great finish to the season and there's all these other people mouths to feed. People are concerned. Amon Ross can't hold the number one spot. DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, you could have gotten a first plus when DeAndre Hopkins is missing six weeks and is, a, is an aging asset for any one of these guys. I can keep going. Yeah. But the point is here, I'm giving you scenarios, obviously, where you, you win. But here's the reality. Let, let's say you went to a guy that didn't help you in that range, in this down tier. Before I pass it back to Mike, because I want to get your, your thoughts. You, let, let's say you made the wrong down tier. Let's say you went to Allen Robinson. Let's say you mm -hmm. went to Michael Thomas. Let's say you went to Brandon Cooks. Whatever it may be. I mean, I can, whatever names. Here's the thing. You still have the first and whatever else you acquired to now help your lineup, right? With Jamar Chase, the exception to the rule, the value has come down and you can still trade him for a haul. So you still have an out there. Cooper Cup, you don't have an out. Hollywood Brown, your out is very small. Michael Pittman, at the wrong time, <laughs> was not going to net you something back well. Debo Samuel, when he's missing time, is lost a lot of value. You don't have the additional liquidity that can now go buy you a warp player like a Christian Kirk. I mean, Christian Kirk probably still attainable in leagues for a first, maybe a plus. Like, that's the whole point here is not only are you getting a piece in your lineup that can still help you, but if push comes to shove, whether it's the player you're trading away or the player you're acquiring, you still have the liquidity, which can go buy you what you need at the peak time, which is when things are being formed for the fantasy football playoffs, dynasty degenerates. Sorry if that took a long time and that was long winded, but listen to what I said, because I'm telling you there's some real truth to that. 
Yeah, this isn't uh, like player specific either, but uh, I'm looking it up as you're talking about this. And, you know, from about like uh, mid-September, right? Michael Pittman valued at Dynasty Wide Receiver 6, Dynasty Wide Receiver 7 on Keep Trade Cut, right? Right yeah. around that age. E- easily and, top and 10, yeah. You're talking about some of these other guys. Like Amon Ra was just starting to smash at the time, right? Just started like, okay, maybe he's maybe he's real. But people are still valuing him as wide receiver 15, wide receiver 16 at the time. How about another guy that you, you didn't really mention and talk about? Chris Olave. Absolutely. Where do you think he was at? Where do you think he was at at that time, right? I'll say wide receiver 25. That's pretty close, man. Wide receiver 24. Couldn't get much closer than that. Hey, I, I remember things, you know. People don't forget yeah. Drake London at the uh, the end of September, beginning of October, up to wide receiver eight. Like these are all the players where you're right, like, right. if if you're cashing out at the right time, if you're cashing out at the peak, or if you're cashing out at close to the peak and going down, yes, yes, you're a thousand percent right. And this isn't strictly with wide receivers; this goes for all positions. But you cash out to another young asset there's a chance that they do fall off the table, that they suffer a catastrophic injury or they suffer a bad situation or whatever, and they go down. But the piece is, man, you bought insurance. Like you bought insurance on what could be a burning house (laughs) with your draft capital, with the extras that you're getting on top on the down tier. Right. So you, you always give yourself that, that little bit of out. And it's not like, okay, just just for example, if we talk about Amon Ra or if we talk about Chris Olave at the time, right? The two guys that I just brought up for Drake London or for Michael Pittman, and you down tier and you get one of those guys in a first, and Chris Olave or Amon Ra tear their Achilles the next fucking day, Adam. Like just tear their Achilles. Devastating. Devastating. Horrible. You're you're heartbroken. You're absolutely heartbroken. But you got that first. It's not like those young guys that you're down tiering to just completely go to zero in value, right? We we saw Brees Hall have an amazing start to the season, tear his ACL at the running back for a position where we're, we're devastated by these giant injuries at the running back and guys that have never reclaimed value, Javante, uh, Cam Akers off the Achilles, J.K. Dobbins, multiple surgeries after his ACL tear. Like, we've seen these. Saquon Barkley took two fucking years to come back before people valued Saquon correctly. So, like, we've seen it. But we also saw a guy like Brees Hall because he's so young and because of what we saw still maintain and hold off and push down the RB1 in Dynasty, Jonathan Taylor, after a few bad weeks. People are still valuing Brees Hall more than they were valuing Jonathan Taylor because of what? The age. The number, so if you yeah. were to down tier into some of these other young assets, and even if something catastrophic happens, I'm not saying they're going to hold that same kind of value that Brees Hall is because that's fucking ridiculous. But the point is they're going to hold some value. And that pick sure as hell holds value. That pick is going to go up at some point. That's what we talked about the dynasty cycle last week. Like it is going to go up. You have insurance. And this is what makes the down tier in lineup or best ball but specifically we'll focus on lineup just because it's not so obvious. It's not so in your face like it is with best ball where generally two pieces or three pieces is almost always going to be better than one as long as they have a pulse and they're right. not complete turds. Right, 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 right. Because especially in lineup, see, when you when you split it up, right, in best ball, you want everything on your bench to have the ability to essentially 
rotate. And what I mean by that is score in and out of your lineup, go back and forth. Yes. Whereas in lineup, you almost want to do the opposite to a point. You want to condense so that you have more space to fill out the turds, get rid of the dog shit lineup yes. cloggers, yes. and then fill those in with your fab money and find a way to essentially roster construct differently. So in lineup, not only is it different, it's literally almost the opposite to a certain extent for people where they want more of their lineup cloggers out of there. Whereas in best ball, you want those in your lineup. So it's, it's, and I think that's why we want to talk on the lineup lens right now is because to your point, and I'll let you finish here. It's, it's the opposite effect. So it's obvious in best ball, whereas in lineup, it's almost contradictory to what people will think a lot of times. I think some of the things that people fall into the trap too, when we talk about down tiers or when we talk about it and we, we, we talk about it when we do the trade show, right? Like what's your rot. We talked about with Scott when he was on the trade show specifically that what's your, what's your league like, what's your settings, you know, getting all the context that you can possibly get. One of the other things that we don't get to see a lot is what's the rest of your, your roster look like? Like I've seen some, some people with some ridiculous starting lineups, and I get it, man. Like the studs and duds approach can work, but you have to factor in that those guys got to stay healthy or the right guys got to pop at the right time to carry maybe some of the guys who have down weeks or or maybe get banged up. And, you know, like A.J. Brown's a damn stud. But there were people last night going into that that Monday night football game going like, I got A.J. Brown. I only need five points. I'm good, man. Like I'm going to win this thing. And then what happens? Just a, a quick tweak and all oh, shit. Now AJ Brown's not doing anything. And it isn't like he missed the whole game. It isn't like he went out and never came back. Like he was just ineffective. Like you're going to have some bad weeks at some point, even from studs. So studs and duds can, can work. Cause maybe you had a Justin Jefferson as your other wide receiver who just went ballistic and nuclear. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Like JJ put up enough points for, for AJ Brown. I'm, I'm good. But the point being, I've seen those lineups where it's just like top to bottom. They're great. And I know studs and duds can work. But the one thing we rarely ever see is like, what's your bench look like? What's your liquidity? Like, what's your pivot if this guy gets hurt? And if this injury happens and like, how do you get yourself out of it? And one of the things, even in best ball leagues that I've fallen trapped to, especially to this year. And and I blatantly said it to Scott when he asked like, what, what have you learned from this year? Like, what's your biggest takeaway? And I'm going like, there's so many leagues where I wish I just had more third round picks laying around where I just had that ability to plug a hole for one damn week to get me through it. Jonathan Taylor's out. I know Deion Jackson's fucking starting. He's the guy. I will give you a third right now. Let me get Deion Jackson because I'm going to plug him into my lineup. Like, I have that ability to go get it whenever the hell I need to. Right. Absolutely. And if I'm leveraged to the max, Jamar Chase is great. Justin Jefferson's great. Cooper Cup's great. Like, look at these three wide receivers. I got three of the highest warp guys. We get into the variance and we get into the way fantasy football can just be a cruel mistress at sometimes and just break our hearts unmercilessly you go in and you go like well shit jamar chase is down for a while i'll be fine you know jj and cooper cup will carry me well what's your next option well i got a i got devon duvernay or i got a paris campbell or i got a whoever but it doesn't matter look how much these guys are scoring 
you get to week 10 and all of a sudden you go like, okay, uh, when's Jamar Chase coming back? Because I need you because I just lost Cooper Cup for probably the year. What am I going to do here? Right. Uh, do you have any picks? Can you go out and get something? Mm-hmm. No, man. I leveraged everything. I up-tiered. I did exactly what I should have. Like the lineup settings, whatever. I up-tiered. I went and got the studs. I think that has been my biggest changeover where it's start eight or start nine. Like, yes, Adam, I want to favor the studs, but I also recognize that you can put yourself into a world of hurt if you don't run a lucky streak for multiple weeks. And it is a very violent, very fast, and very heavy collision game. No matter how much they want to police the violence out of the game, we still see guys on routine tackles go down and you're like, oh my God, that ankle. Like I, I can't, completely legal. I can't believe he got tackled like that though. Like that ankle just got caught. Holy shit, what's this dude to my fantasy team? Or, mm-hmm. you know, Dallas Goddard gets a simple face mask and you're like, I don't even know what the injury is. Has he got a concussion? No, fucked up his shoulder. <laughs> fucked up his shoulder just the way he landed. It is a violent game played by giant men who run fast and hit hard and bad shit can happen at any given moment. Mm -hmm. You put two forces like that on a football field competing, and and this is their job. This is what they've trained and spent all their lives to do. Who am I to try to predict what kind of guy? Me, my fat ass, 300 pounds, sitting here doing a podcast. Who am I to try to predict who's going to stay healthy? Whose body's going to react in such a physiological way that they're going to avoid injury for 16, 17 weeks. I'm not. Well, and, I and, mean, I, and I'm stupid if I think I can do that. So why not de-risk myself? Why not divest a little bit? Why not buy some insurance? And why not make it easier for me to have an out in case something bad happens to my team? Absolutely. And you think about it this way, too. So with Jonathan Taylor, right? Jonathan Taylor's the guy that showed that he could stay healthy. So, so even if you're using like this past prior information to say well all right we know deandre swift is injury risk right okay fine maybe you don't invest in him maybe you think you're the guy that can invest in players that don't have the same injury risk so so you avoid deandre swift that's honestly probably smart on you okay but jonathan taylor jonathan taylor's been out there every game jonathan taylor's been smashing jonathan taylor's built ford tough why would he get hurt guess what jonathan taylor got hurt yeah. Trey Lance, we haven't even seen play. Doesn't really have any injury history in his career. Breaks an ankle. Can't predict that. Javante nope. Williams hasn't really had injury history. Has a horrible knee injury. Can't really predict that. Even Jamar Chase, you, you're saying he's at a position that's not going to get hurt. One of the most prominent warp players out there. And he's youthful. He's worth every bit of all the first you send. Like in the lineup league, people will tell you that I don't even care what it costs. Just go get Jamar Chase, band player. That's great until he gets hurt. Cooper Cup. I mean, here here's the one thing that I will say, though. When you start looking at it, the assets that are aging, those ones especially, you got to be very careful of. Now, it's obviously tempting with Cooper Cup to say, you know what, forego everything because I'm probably not going to be able to get the down-tier package that I can for a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson or even a CeeDee Lamb, right? So you're just like, I'm going to forego everything and just roll with Cooper Cup. Understandably so, but understand the risk 
is essentially if you are, you know, your house is on the ocean and you have no insurance if something bad happens, a hurricane, a flood, like you don't have any out, right? And when you tear down, think of it this way. In a tear down, if you have a really nice house that everybody wants a piece of, they're like, I want that house. I'll give you this great offer for it right now. You're basically with a down tier, you're going to move yourself from this really nice house to a house, maybe not on the water, just a few blocks down. Still has a lot of the amenities, everything you need may not provide everything that that house on the water had, but now you have this first round pick, which is essentially the amount of money you need to, if this house is on bad foundation or something really fucked up happens with it, you didn't get an an inspection on it. Now you have this first round pick that can still get you a similar house. So you now have the ability, whether it's now or later, to have two really good houses that still could grow in value based on the market and be worth maybe not everything that ocean front house has, but you got two of them. And the, co- the combination of them is better than that ocean front house is because it still doesn't have insurance on it. And I think that's a, basically a piece that gets lost is doesn't matter if it's wide receiver or running back. I'll, I'll say this. It, it can differ for me at quarterback and at tight end, right? Like we saw Mark Andrews get hurt and it's not ideal for you, but he's one of those pieces where down tearing at tight end traditionally it's hard to do because the warp advantage and how scarce that position is, is tough at quarterback, man, if I'm down tearing from Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, you know, gosh, I mean, you may not even want to believe this, but you could have gotten Justin Fields plus plus at a point, but even, even then you can't really necessarily see fields coming. You may not want to tear down from those crazy elite quarterbacks. And I understand why they're youthful. They offer the points per game. They are warp advantages. They give you everything. So if you don't want to move off of those assets and you don't want to move off of the smash tight ends, Travis Kelsey, for example, he, he's never going to give you in dynasty value as a contender in a trade what he's actually worth. Basically never going to happen unless you find the rare exception to the rule. So in rare scenarios like that, you don't want to down tier. You want to ride out the value. That's fine. But at positions like receiver which are a dime a dozen, even at running back, which we said was more scarce, this year's showing you. You you can find replacement-level running backs all over the place. And at at quarterback especially, outside of the top, you know, five, seven guys, what's wrong with the down tier? What's wrong with the down tier if you're getting the right thing, right? Like, most of them are not giving you warp advantages. I mean, hell – Look at Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. There's plenty of guys on the older side that you thought were sure things are not giving you points per game. There's injuries all over the position. Russell Wilson's not good. So outside of the rare scenarios of the elite quarterbacks and the you know absolute stud different maker, difference maker at tight end, the, the down tier, the reality is this. You, you probably hate trading off of an asset this is basically the conundrum, Mike, in Dynasty Degenerates. You have an asset that's smashing in your lineup. So for you, when the season's happening, it's hard to detach yourself from the points per game it's putting and the fact that your win column is going up, right? And, and a lot of times it's easy to get tunnel vision or narrow-sighted on that 
and that this is going to continue. Look at this season, for example. Remove yourself. Remove your team. Go back to the beginning of this podcast, and I'll just give you some examples again of all the players that you were tunnel visioned on or could have been tunnel visioned on, even if it's not your team, that you thought in week five are going to smash for forever or in week five are done for forever. Justin Fields. Like, there's so many scenarios that you can't predict the future on with the variance to where the more you can de-risk yourself and say, all right, I'm losing Cooper Cup. That sucks. I'm losing Jamar Chase. That sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Those are prized assets when they're smashing. But if you're down-tiering correctly, you're giving yourself potential for replacement level points. You're giving yourself liquidity and draft capital for what happens if a tragic event comes your way. And if you and here's the other big, big, big takeaway I think that needs to be touched on, needs to be hammered home. If, if you haven't done this, it's going to be hard for you to wrap your head around because if you just do this one time, right? If you just trade away Jamar Chase for – you know, Christian Kirk, and let's even say it's two first, right? And you only do that as one time thing. Maybe that doesn't pan out for you. And I could see a scenario where absolutely that does not pan out for you, but it shouldn't just be a one time thing. This is something you can continue to do over and over and over. So even if the bet doesn't pan out on one trade, if you do this over and over enough, you'll pick up enough first to where man, I have liquidity. I have three per first. I have four first. Doing that over and over at the right times, even if the trade doesn't work out your way and the person you traded in a teardown for gets hurt, you've netted enough assets to where you will be able to make it up tenfold in trades when it's time to do so when the playoffs are around the corner. So I think that's the other thing is understanding it's not just one trade. To do this as a process, it's not just one singular thing. Man, we hit on so much good stuff here. And and while I'm sitting here listening to this and we're talking about this, I'm thinking about the the crux of what you're saying, man. I, I get it, those super elite tight ends. Like not a lot outside of age and serious injury. Like, you know, if Travis Kelsey had a serious injury right now at his his age, no matter how good he is, he's like the Cooper Cup of tight ends. A hundred percent. Like like it, it's done. It's done. Um, George Kittle is, is old enough to also kind of suffer more of that similar fate, just maybe not to that extent. But Mark Andrews, uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, Dallas Goddard being out for four or five weeks, whatever it is, not as, not, right. yeah, not as detrimental. Um, elite quarterbacks, you know, like I don't wish injuries on anybody, but Josh Allen, there were people who were mildly panicking with this with this elbow injury. But it didn't really change his dynasty value. It's still Josh Allen. You know he's coming back next year. We're good. Patrick Mahomes, like these guys are still fine. Justin Herbert's going through a rough stretch because the offense, the team around him is is fucking horrible. It's it's god awful. It's dog shit it, everywhere you look outside of like Eckler right now. It's it's tough, but what is it? Insulated. His value Correct. is still insulated because he's young and he's phenomenal, and we've fucking seen it. Right. These older quarterbacks, Russ, Matt Stafford, those are the guys where you see have bad stuff and they just absolutely crater. The elite quarterbacks, the elite tight ends, they're they're very stable for the most part in, in dynasty value. Very stable. Um, Deshaun Watson, we haven't seen for multiple years now at this point, playing an actual regular season NFL football game. 
And the minute he steps back on the field, he's right back in that discussion of top eight dynasty quarterback at worst. And then depending on how he plays, he might elevate himself right back into that conversation as top three, top four. So it is a very stable position. Right. One thing you and I overestimated quite a bit was the running back position, and rightfully so. Like we, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, the JT injury, Brees Hall, Javante, J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson, the list goes on and on and on. But I think we've opened our eyes to how fragile that position is and how much those values can shift and how many guys from bumfuck Egypt come out of nowhere and all of a sudden are top 12 dynasty running back assets. The one thing I think people overvalue, though, is the wide receiver for the longest time. And we have talked about it in the past. Wide receiver is phenomenal. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, right? Jalen Waddle. When I just look at the list of the top 12 or the current top 12 dynasty wide receivers, and I look at how many guys have been in there at a time and then just poof, down, and now they're in the teens or they're in the 20s, and how many guys who were in the 30s or the 20s have elevated themselves now into this conversation or how many times people were panicked on a guy like CD lamb and he goes through these wild swings. It's not because the wide receiver position is bad, but we need to be honest with ourselves. The wide receiver position is so deep and it gets deeper every year. And these guys come out of fucking nowhere and they were afterthoughts. They were six round, seventh round dynasty startups. And all of a sudden it's like, man, I can't believe we were ever doubting Jalen Waddle. Look at this guy. Top three wide receiver right now. Let's go. Like, I can't believe we were ever panicked about the Tyreek Hill situation. Can't believe we let that sink in. Or or CeeDee Lamb here in this last week. Like, oh, shit. Okay, he reminded us why he's CeeDee Lamb. Boom, you're right back up here. Or guys like Stefan Diggs who, well, he's getting to an advanced age and he just keeps climbing all fucking year because Stefan Diggs is that dude. It's guys like that that make me go, if I have one of these wide receivers – and I can down tier into one of these guys in the top 20 range and pick up first round picks or pluses. Adam, I don't really care who it is or what my situation is. Like, I think this is the play for me going forward. And it, it has been in the past, but I see it this year and I go more so than ever, more so than ever. When, whether I down tier correctly or, or incorrectly, there's going to be times for me to capitalize on it on the actual player that I downed here, the wide receiver I downed here. But the pick is never, ever going anywhere. <laughs> the pick is never going down. It's going up. And there's so many variables with what the fuck happens to other people's teams. Adam, you talked about those teams that you thought were fucking mob squads. And at the time, if I would have traded you a, you know, a Cooper Cup for your late first and, you know, Chris Olave at the time, you're like, man, my team just got even better, right? I use this pick, boom. Now where we're sitting at it, you got a team that's in disarray, <laughs> struggling to stay out of the fucking basement, and here I am with a top 10 dynasty wide receiver and a potential early pick in 2023. And I have, Who won that deal? And I have a 30-year-old, high ankle sprain, no quarterback. Asset that you can't get off of. <laughs> that's going to give me no flexibility and I think here's the other thing too. There's a couple different ways to look at this, and obviously we can't go too long. But um, whether you're rebuilding or contending, I think that's the big thing from this episode. I would really like you to take away is I think that this is more of a concept that people can wrap their head around on the rebuild side, right? 
Because on the rebuild side, it's you're so flexible. For example, you look at look at the twenty two class. On the rebuild side, you've had opportunities to buy Drake Leonard at a dip, Traylon Burks at a dip, Garrett Wilson maybe not necessarily at a dip, but you could have bought him at the start of the year or had him when value was depressed. He he may be the exception, right? But then you have. I mean, Sky Moore, for God's sakes, you can get close to a throw-in right now. Chris Olave and um, Garrett Wilson are going to be the two exceptions, which is to continue to accrue in value. But even if you just use the 22 class, think about that for a second. The 22 class picks were one of the only ones that you could argue that those picks maybe, if you wrote it all the way to the very end, took a slight dip in value at the very end. Outside of that, the picks overall don't lose value, and they guaranteed to increase increase in value. The receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks in that class—they're not that way. Brees Hall was the stud, the guarantee. Smashed. As a rebuilder, you have a chance to buy Brees Hall. Jamison Williams on a contender—I mean, people don't even know what to do with themselves. I mean, there's so many different things. George Pickens has had. Ups and downs and ups and downs all year. He's still a, he's still a player that everybody wants. Point is though, on the rebuild, yeah, of course you you take the tear down. Of course you multiply assets. You don't care to win. You take all the value and you soak it up and you get points off your roster. I think where it's really missed is on the contending side. And I think the whole point of this episode is the tear down is not simply for the rebuild. It's for the contender as well. And if you do it right. Like Mike said, if you're talking about when any of these players gets to the peak point. Now, listen, if you are somebody that, you know, you see Jamar Chase is going to be back in six games. You're not worried about his long-term value. You're willing to risk, you know, missing the playoffs or a season for Jamar Chase. And we we saw how Justin Jefferson was making one-hand catch in fourth and 18 and winning himself a game versus the Bills. And I mean, crazy, right? If you want to ride those out and you want to say those are the exceptions – it's not where I'm at, but I'm also not going to fight you because there's truth to that right now, at least I'm not going to predict the future, but right now they're extremely difficult assets to attain and they're wildly valuable. You want to hold them fine. But if you start thinking about the other ones, right? Like we just watch AJ Brown say whatever you want about AJ Brown. And I, I love mm-hmm. the talent. He had a ankle just yesterday. So you're going to hear this on Friday, but on Monday night football makes an outcut, catches the pass. Definitely didn't look right at all. He's hobbling. He played the whole rest of the game, but didn't give you anything. I mean, he might as well have been hurt. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill is approaching, although he could be different because he's so water buggy and moving. He could be different, but he's approaching that age prospect point where it's like, maybe a teardown makes sense. Am I going to tear down or am I going to forgo all these crazy points per game and how good he is? Or am I going to de-risk myself? Stefan Diggs is absolutely in that same conversation. If you're doing it for the right person, right? If you're doing it for the youthful, value-insulated person in the top 20, 25, and you're getting a first, you're not, at the right time, if you do that, you're not ruining your playoff chances at that point. You can still move that first and that player right before the playoffs when you're certain that your team's okay to go get a stud and warp if you want to. But... If Stephon Diggs becomes Cooper Cup and he gets hurt for the rest of the season or he has a high ankle and he's going to be done. If Tyreek Hill 
you know, if, he, if some off the field thing like he had before, which could have killed his career happens again, right? Like now all of a sudden you don't have anything. Whereas you still have all the flexibility come playoff time. So I think for me, and hopefully for you, Dynasty Degenerates and Mike, it's not just that tearing, tearing down, and this isn't just specific to receiver. This this episode we did receiver, you can do this at quarterback at the specific ones. You can do this at, at running back for the specific ones. The point is you're picking up a liquid asset in addition to a player that you believe can give you not equal to points, but similar and has the ability to possibly give close in points per game, but you're also protecting yourself with the liquidity. I think that's such a big thing that can be missed by people who are so focused on, man, this player's smashing for me. And all I want to see is this team just ride out this success. I think the last thing I'll say before I go, and, and this has been eye opening to me, especially this year, but even doing this podcast and talking with Scott is uh, I talked a little bit about us overvaluing running backs and just how volatile they can be. Just the nature of the position. And one of the things I was very hesitant to do is come off those running backs and, and take a lesser running back, like one of these Ramondre Stevenson types. Take a Ramondre and then take a a the subsequent wide receiver 25 or better in Dynasty on top. You know what I mean? And make that kind of tear down. And when I'm talking about and looking at these wide receivers and how much they fluctuate and just how deep it is and how loaded with talent we are, like that's a bet I think more people should be making. Like, yes, I absolutely love Jonathan Taylor. I love Antonio Gibson or I love Cam Akers or whoever the hell. I love DeAndre Swift. No way I'm giving up this RB1 through five or whatever the case may be. But at some point, man, with the way variance is, the way the NFL is, the way you should be constructing your roster and doing the teardown, Adam, that's going to be highly beneficial to you in the long run for your dynasty construction team. If you take these high variance players, these extremely high ones, whether it's wide receiver or whether it's running back, and just explore and see what else you can get back. And I'm going to bet more times than not in what we like to preach and what we like to talk about and the one saying we have if I'm right 60, 65, 70% of the time on these moves, my dynasty teams are usually doing pretty well. My dynasty teams are headed in the right direction. I don't have to hit every single one. I just need to make more moves than more good moves than I make bad moves. So I think that's one of the biggest things I had to say before we uh, peace out of here. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening to this and it's not really resonating with you, let's say you only have, you know, you're not in a portfolio. You have one, two, three teams. And you have a lot of these elite assets, but you haven't been hit with the landmines. You may be saying, man, this is silly to me. Like, I have all these studs, and my team's awesome. It's 8-1. and one. I'm looking great. Like, I'm riding high for the playoffs. You don't have to do it. Give it the, give it the mindset. But the point is, the more the variance comes for you, right? Like, yeah, if you have one team, there's absolutely a, a chance where variance doesn't happen to hit you this year. But who's to say that doesn't hit you next year, right? And the fact that you can pre-plan for this and ultimately have all the flexibility and utilize it at the right time, that I think is the biggest takeaway. And, Mike, you made some great points there, man, at the end where with running backs, right? Like as much as we love them and they're scarce, there's a finite time where even if they're great on the points per game perspective, right? Like even if they outlast – 
the dynasty shelf life of what's valuable. The reality is for running backs, they don't carry the value past like year four, year five, right? Unless they're the rare ones. So if you can get out for Ramondre and a receiver with upside, even in lineup or in best ball, you're probably doing yourself a favor. Now, granted, hey, if you had Brees Hall and Brees Hall smashed all year and you traded out of him and he didn't get hurt, sure, you can get burnt. But to Mike's point, 60, 70% of the time, you make those moves and they win, it's going to outweigh the 30% of the time where that asset happens to break the mold and rides it out. So I hope Dynasty Degenerates that this this episode was really good for you because I think this is something that really needs to be talked about on both the contending and the rebuilding side, how important tearing down is and how important liquidity is. So take this, apply it to your leagues, do what you will with it, and just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it for us. We're about out of here. Remember, we'll be back here same time, same place next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.